Section 14 of A Prince of Swindlers by Guy Boothie. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. A Prince of Swindlers by Guy Boothby. Chapter 8, Part 2, An Imperial Finale. Day closed in and found the sky covered with heavy clouds. Towards eight o'clock a violent storm of rain fell, and when Carne heard it beating upon the deck above his cabin, and reflected that in consequence the night would in all probability be dark, he felt his lucky star was indeed in the ascendant. At half-past eight he retired to his cabin with Belton, in order to prepare for the events of the evening. Never before had he paid such careful attention to his make-up. He knew that on this occasion the least carelessness might lead to detection, and he had no desire that his last and greatest exploit should prove his undoing. It was half-past nine before he and his servant had dressed and were ready to set off. Then placing broad-brimmed hats upon their heads, and carrying a portmanteau containing the cloaks and headgear which they were to wear later in the evening. They went on deck and descended into the dinghy which was waiting for them alongside. In something under a quarter of an hour they had been put ashore in a secluded spot, had changed their costumes, and were walking boldly down beside the water towards the steps where they could see the imperial launch still waiting. Her crew was lolling about, joking and laughing, secure in the knowledge that it would be some hours at least before their sovereign would be likely to require their services again. Their astonishment, therefore, may well be imagined when they saw approaching them two men whom they had only half an hour before brought ashore stepping in and taking his seat under the shelter his majesty ordered them to convey him back to the yacht with all speed the accent and voice were perfect and it never for an instant struck any one on board the boat that a deception was being practised carne however was aware that this was only a preliminary the most dangerous portion of the business was yet to come on reaching the yacht he sprang out on the ladder followed by his aide-de-camp von waltzburg and mounted the steps his disguise must have been perfect indeed for when he reached the deck he found himself face to face with the first lieutenant who on seeing him saluted respectfully for a moment carne's presence of mind almost deserted him then seeing that he was not discovered he determined upon a bold piece of bluff returning the officer's salute with just the air he had seen the emperor use he led him to suppose that he had important reasons for coming on board so soon and if to back this assertion up bade him send the chief steward to his cabin and at the same time had the sentry removed from his door and placed at the end of the large saloon with instructions to allow no one to pass until he was communicated with again 
the officer saluted and went off on his errand while Carne, signing to belton to follow him made his way down the companion ladder to the royal cabins to both the next few minutes seemed like hours reaching the imperial stateroom they entered it and closed the door behind provided the sentry obeyed his orders which there was no reason to doubt he would do the emperor himself did not return until they were safely off the vessel again there seemed every probability of their being able to carry out their scheme without a hitch put those bags under the table and unwind the lines and place them in the galley outside the window they won't be seen there said carne to belton who was watching him from the doorway then stand by for in a few minutes the chief steward will be here as soon as he enters you must manage to get between him and the door and while i am engaging him in conversation spring on him clutch him by the throat and hold him until i can force this gag into his mouth after that we shall be safe for some time at least for not a soul will come this way until they discover their mistake it seems to me we ought to thank our stars that the chief steward's cabin was placed in such a convenient position but hush here comes the individual we want be ready to collar him as soon as i hold up my hand if he makes a sound we are lost he had scarcely spoken before there was a knock at the door when it opened the chief steward entered the cabin closing the door behind him schmidt said his majesty who was standing at the further end of the cabin i have sent for you in order that i may question you on a matter of the utmost importance draw nearer the man came forward as he was ordered and having done so looked his master full and fair in the face something he saw there seemed to stagger him he glanced at him a second time and was immediately confirmed in his belief you are not the emperor he cried there is some treachery in this i shall call for assistance he had half turned and was about to give the alarm when carne held up his hand and belton who had been creeping stealthily up behind him threw himself upon him and clutched him by the throat before he could utter a sound the fictitious emperor immediately produced a cleverly constructed gag and forced it into the terrified man's mouth who in another second was lying upon the floor bound hand and foot there my friend said carne quietly as he rose to his feet a few moments later i don't think you will give us any further trouble let me just see that those straps are tight enough and then we'll place you on this settee and afterwards get to business with all possible dispatch having satisfied himself on these points he signed to belton and between them they placed the man upon the couch let me see i think if i remember rightly you carry the key of the safe in this pocket so saying he turned the man's pocket inside out and appropriated the bunch of keys he found therein choosing one from it he gave a final look at the bonds which secured the prostrate figure and then turned to belton i think he'll do he said now for business bring the bags and come with me 
so saying he crossed the cabin and having assured himself that there was no one about to pry upon them passed along the luxuriously carpeted alleyway until he arrived at the door of the cabin assigned to the use of the chief steward and in which was the safe containing the magnificent gold plate the obtaining of which was the reason of his being there to his surprise and chagrin the door was closed and locked in his plans he had omitted to allow for this emergency in all probability however the key was in the man's pocket so turning to belton he bade him return to the stateroom and bring him the keys he had thrown on upon the table the latter did as he was ordered and when he had disappeared carne stood alone in the alleyway waiting and listening to the various noises of the great vessel on the deck overhead he could hear someone tramping heavily up and down and then in an interval of silence the sound of pouring rain good reason as he had to be anxious he could not help smiling as though on the incongruity of his position he wondered what his aristocratic friends would say if he were captured and his story came to light in his time he had impersonated a good many people but never before had he had the honor of occupying such an exalted station this was the last and most daring of all his adventures minutes went by and as belton did not return carne found himself growing nervous what could have become of him he was in the act of going in search of him when he appeared carrying in his hand the bunch of keys for which he had been sent his master seized them eagerly why have you been so long he asked in a whisper i began to think something had gone wrong with you i stayed to make our friend secure the other answered he had well nigh managed to get one of his hands free had he done so he would have had the gag out of his mouth in no time and have given the alarm then we should have been caught like rats in a trap are you quite sure he is secure now asked carne anxiously quite replied belton i took good care of that in that case we had better get to work on the safe without further delay we have wasted too much time already and every moment is an added danger without more ado carne placed the most likely key in the lock and turned it the bolt shot back and the treasure chamber lay at his mercy the cabin was not a large one but it was plain that every precaution had been taken to render it secure the large safe which contained the imperial plate and which it was carne's intention to rifle occupied one entire side it was one of the latest design and when carne saw it he had to confess to himself that expert craftsman as he was it was one that he would have required all his time and skill to open with the master key however it was the work of only a few seconds the key was turned the lever depressed and then with a slight pull the heavy door swung forward this done it was seen that the interior was full to overflowing come belton he said get these things out as quickly as possible and lay them on the floor we can carry 
only away a certain portion of the plunder, so let us make sure that the portion is the best. A few moments later the entire cabin was strewn with salvers, goblets, bowls, epergines, gold and silver dishes, plates, cups, knives, forks, and almost every example of the goldsmith's art. In his choice, Carne was not guided by what was handsomest or most delicate in workmanship or shape. Weight was his only standard. Silver he discarded altogether, for it was of less than no account. In something under ten minutes he had made his selection, and the stout canvas bags they had brought with them for that purpose were full to their utmost holding capacity. We can carry no more, said Carne to his faithful retainer, as they made the mouth of the last bag secure. Pick up yours and let us go back to the Emperor's stateroom. Having locked the door of the cabin, they returned to the place whence they started. There they found the unfortunate steward lying on the settee. Placing the bags he carried upon the ground, Carne crossed to him, and before doing anything else, carefully examined the bonds with which he was secured. Having done this, he went to the stern windows, and throwing one open, stepped into the gallery outside. Fortunately for what he intended to do, it was still raining heavily, and in consequence the night was as dark as the most consummate conspirator could have desired. Returning to the room, he bade Belton help him carry the bags into the gallery, and when this had been done, made fast the swivel hooks to the rings in the mouth of each. Take up your bags as quietly as possible, he said, and lower them one by one into the water, but take care that they don't get entangled in the propeller. When you've done that, slip the rings at the other end of the lines through your belt, and buckle the ladder tightly. Belton did as he was ordered, and in a few moments the six bags were lying at the bottom of the sea. Now off with these wigs and things, and say when you're ready for a swim. Their disguises having been discarded and thrown overboard, Carne and Belton clambered over the rails of the gallery and lowered themselves until their feet touched the water. Next moment they had both let go and were swimming in the direction of Carne's own yacht. Much exhausted, they reached the yacht's stern and clutched at the rope ladder which Carne had himself placed there before he had set out on the evening's excursion. In less time than it takes to tell, he had mounted it and gained the deck, followed by his faithful servant. They presented a sorry spectacle as they stood side by side at the taffrail, the water dripping from their clothes and pattering upon the deck. "'Thank goodness we are here at last,' said Carne, as soon as he had recovered his breath sufficiently to speak. "'Now slip off your belt and hang it over this cleat with mine.' Belton did as he was directed, and then followed his master to the saloon companion ladder. Once below they changed their clothes as quickly as possible, and having donned Mackintoshes, returned to the deck where it was still raining hard. Now, says Carne, for the last and most important part of our evening's work, 
let us hope the lines will prove equal to the demands we are about to make upon them as he said this he took one of the belts from his cleat upon which he had placed it and having detached a line began to pull it in belton following his example with another their hopes that they would prove equal to the confidence placed in them proved well founded for in something less than a quarter of an hour the six bags containing the emperor of westphalia's magnificent gold plate were lying upon the deck ready to be carried below and stowed away in the secret place in which carne had arranged to hide his treasure now belton said carne as he pushed the panel back into its place and pressed the secret spring that locked it i hope you're satisfied with what we have done we've made a splendid haul and you shall have your share of it in the meantime just get me to bed as quickly as you can for i'm dead tired when you've done so be off to your own to-morrow morning you will have to go up town to arrange with the bank authorities about my account belton did as he was ordered and half an hour later his master was safely in bed and asleep it was late next morning when he awoke he had scarcely breakfast before the earl of amberley and lord orfington made their appearance over the side to carry out the part he had arranged to play he received them seated in his deck chair his swaddled up right foot reclining on a cushion before him on seeing his guests he made as if he would rise but they begged him to remain seated i hope your ankle is better this morning said lord orfington politely as he took a chair beside his friend much better thank you carne replied it was not nearly so serious as i feared i hope to be able to hobble about a little this afternoon and now tell me the news if there is any do you mean to say that you have not heard the great news asked lord amberley in a tone of astonishment i have heard nothing carne replied remember i have not been ashore this morning and i have been so busily engaged with the preparations for my departure to-morrow that i have not had time to look at my papers pray what is this news of which you speak with such bated breath listen and i'll tell you lord orfington answered and he related the events of the previous night carne's face in the meantime showing great astonishment good gracious said carne i never heard of such a thing surely it's the most impudent robbery that has taken place for many years past to represent the emperor of westphalia and his aide-de-camp so closely that they could deceive even the officers of his own yacht and to take a sentry off one post and to place him in such a position as to protect them while at their own nefarious work seems to me the very height of audacity but how did they get their booty away again gold plate under the most favorable circumstances is by no means an easy thing to carry as he asked this question carne lit another cigar with a hand as steady as a rock they must have escaped in a boat that it is supposed 
was lying under the shelter of the stern gallery replied lord amberley and is the chief steward able to furnish the police with no clue as to their identity none whatsoever replied orpington he opines to the belief however that they are frenchmen one of them the man who impersonated the emperor seemed to have uttered an explanation in that tongue and when was the robbery discovered only when the real emperor returned to the vessel shortly after midnight there was no launch to meet him and he had to get tremorden to take him off you can easily imagine the surprise his arrival occasioned it was intensified when they went below to find his majesty's cabin turned upside down the chief steward lying bound and gagged upon the sofa and all that was most valuable of the gold plate missing what an extraordinary story and now having told you the news with which the place is ringing we must be off about our business said orpington it is quite certain that you are going to leave us to-morrow quite i am sorry to say answered carne i am going to ask as many of my friends as possible to do me the honour of lunching with me at one o'clock and at five i shall weigh anchor and bid england good-bye i shall have the pleasure of your company i hope i shall have much pleasure said orpington and i also replied amberley then good-bye for the present it's just possible i may see you again during the afternoon the luncheon next day was as brilliant a social gathering as the most fastidious in such matters could have desired every one then in cows who had any claim to distinction was present and several had undertaken the journey from town in order to say farewell to one who had made himself so popular during his brief stay in england when carne rose to reply to the toast of his health proposed by the prime minister it was observable that he was generally moved as indeed were most of his hearers for the remainder of the afternoon his yacht's deck was crowded with his friends all of whom expressed the hope that it might not be very long before he was amongst them once more to these kind speeches carne invariably offered a smiling reply i also trust it will not be long he answered i have enjoyed my visit immensely and you may be sure i shall never forget it as long as i live an hour later the anchor was weighed and his yacht was steaming out of the harbour amid the scene of intense enthusiasm as the prime minister had that afternoon informed him in the public interest the excitement of his departure was dividing the honours of the burglary of the emperor of westphalia's gold plate carne stood beside his captain on the bridge watching the little fleet of yachts until his eyes could no longer distinguish them then he turned to belton who had just joined him and placing his hand upon his shoulder said so much for our life in england belton my friend it has been glorious fun and no one can deny that from a business point of view it has been eminently satisfactory you at least should have no regrets 
none whatsoever answered belton but i must confess i should like to know what they will say when the truth comes out carne smiled sweetly as he answered i think they'll say that all things considered i have won the right to call myself a prince of swindlers End of section 14. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. End of A Prince of Swindlers by Guy Boothby.